All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here today on a nice Monday morning. Tim, how are you doing? You know what, John? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Um, okay. You know, <laughs> here just, we go. Just okay. And no, no reason in particular. I don't have any gripes or grievances or anything, but it just, you know. It's the dog days of winter. I just want it to snow and stick. Every, did everything? You you don't get snow in North Carolina. All our snow's gone. It melted. So now we're just hovering in the no man's land of rain and snow and just junky wet. You know what I mean? You ever get in the? You you don't get depressed. You're always up. No. <laughs> yeah, but usually you hear that like after the holidays because this is exciting now. Even if it's not snowing, you got that buildup, and then like January, February is that slogging time. You know, you, you know what it is, and here's the deal. I have obviously been out of the game for how long? Six years now, maybe six. Things are expensive, and they're getting more expensive. My wife goes to <laughs> my wife goes to Costco three days a week. Every time she goes, she drops a thousand dollars almost. It seems like, but winter is expensive. Every time the snow falls, you have to regroup. Like, okay, who needs new boots? Who needs new jackets? Where's all our gloves? Where's all our hats? There's a round of buying stuff for all the kids and we continue to have more kids because that's what we do. And every, every winter it's like, okay, we got to get some new jackets, boots. Like I said, after that, it comes, okay, what sleds do we need to get this year? Because sleds got broken or driven over or whatever. The plow guy got it in the, in the winter. So we got to get more sleds. I need to get more shovels because I don't know, but anybody else, I consistently break one to two shovels every single winter. And I don't know if I'm shoveling wrong or what's the deal, but I break shovels like it's going out of style. So you got to go get some shovels. What's next? Okay. I got to make sure my driveway salted in this and that so I can drive up my driveway. So I don't have another debacle. Like I had a week and a half ago, I'm stuck on the driveway for two hours. You got to pay for all that junk. Oh, what's next? It's skiing season. So I'm going to go out and drop a few thousand dollars on skis where my kids, are they going to be the next peekaboo street? Are they going to be on the on the Olympics? No, but they like skiing. So I got to go drop a few thousand dollars on the skis. Then you got to buy gloves for the ski rope because we can't afford a chair in our local hill because it's a rope and you got to buy special gloves. So your gloves don't get ripped up and on and on and on, Tim. It's just relentless. I'm just like hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging money. And, you know, at the end of the day, what are you going to do? That's my job. My job is to provide, but it would be nice. I just liken back to my days playing hockey. I'm just like, gosh, what what would a a nice two week check look like right now coming through the the pipeline? Thirty five thousand. I'd be like, that would be fantastic. That would be very fantastic right now. Just to have a month worth of that, where I just make in eighty grand one month, it would be fantastic. But no, you know. What are you gonna do? So that's that's why I'm a little just on edge because it seems like every second day I'm just like, oh, psh, 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 gone out the door, out the window, never to be seen again. And like, I want to buy a log splitter. 
And there's deals right now because it's Thanksgiving deals, Tim. And I can't, I can't bring myself to buy a log splitter. So I'm just going to have to break my bones and back and everything. It's funny. I had like elbow pain for a month and a half this fall. And I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, man, my elbows bother me. She's like, yeah, because you're chopping wood every single day. My God, like, oh, that's probably why. <laughs> so it's just, I know you don't have any sympathy for me, but it's, yeah, that's why I'm in a grumpy mood. Everything costs money. Everything. It's getting more expensive. Stinking bread. My wife's like gluten-free, which I think is made up. Loaf of her bread costs like $8. What are we doing here? $8 for a loaf of bread? Thanks a lot. Stinking inflation. Unbelievable. But anyways, other than that, Tim, everything's going great. Everything's going really great. <laughs> yeah. No, no sympathy. Not even a little bit. I don't. But but aren't your girls like are they at the age where they can start helping to shovel now and take like they, I know they do a pretty good job with like pitching in and taking care of the little ones. Right. Like it makes stuff a little bit easier. I imagine. No, they don't do. That's the thing. And uh, people are like, oh, and I don't want to get into the whole social issue stuff. My girls have no interest about shoveling, about doing and quote air quotes, manly things. Guys like to shovel, guys like to mow the grass, guys like to rake the leaves, boys like to do those things. I have friends who have sons and they're just getting help left and right. They're putting up trim, they're doing stuff outside, they're fixing, they're changing out their winter tires. Their boys are all over it. My girls have no interest whatsoever at all. So I have no help at all. I try. I'm like, you guys, come on. Oh, here's a shovel. I bought them all little shovels. They'll help for like two minutes they think it's fun and they're like this sucks we're out of here like we're gonna go build a fort we're gonna go make a snowman we're gonna go play dress up over there so no interest whatsoever they they help inside they have their chores and we we just started doing the allowance and here's mr hotshot me i don't think before i speak i just speak my wife and i were trying to figure out allowances after the week because they do chores all week and we're like okay well i'll give you guys five bucks you guys five bucks you guys three bucks and you guys one dollar at the end of the week, I'm giving out like $35, $40. And I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, there's 52 weeks in a year. This is going to be a pretty hefty bill when it's all said and done. I'm like, geez, Louise. John. So every every week I'm giving out $50, seems like, in, in allowances. I'm like, what am I what am I doing here? And that that one was self-inflicted. I know I get that, but I'm just like, gosh. Okay, just take a deep breath. You know what did make me happy? My alma mater, Tim, started off slow. Did you know I went to Michigan Tech? No, you never talk about it. Yeah, I went to Michigan Tech. It's a, a little university in northern Michigan. That D3? One, no, you, Tim. If it was D3, <laughs> we would have banners from the rafters. It's a D1 school, illustrious history, fallen from grace when I played there, but it is resurrected lately. They are cruising. They started slow. Remember I said at the beginning of the season they had like 17 newcomers? little bit of a shaky start they have righted the ship they had a great weekend they went to minnesota state mankato the mavericks who was number 10 in the nation and they took three or four points from them because apparently they do shootouts in college hockey now did you know that i did not know that no yeah Is it a, like, was it a non-division game no division game ccha huh. yeah so tech goes in there tech was ranked number 20 minnesota state was ranked, ranked number 10 tech just beat their doors off Two two straight games. Obviously, they lost the last one in a shootout, but I I consider that two wins because who who does a shootout or maybe a win in a tie? But good for them. In the second game, they were just they were down some defensemen, but they still found a way Tim to come out on top. So they'll be gosh, they could be fifteen when the rankings come out this week. So good for Tech. Props to them. So that raised my spirits a little bit. Another thing that raised my spirits: Michigan, Ohio State played, and I I really don't like Ohio State. I'm slowly coming around to the Wolverines. In football, anyways, they just stomped the Ohio State uh, Buccaneers, Buckeyes. That was fun. Not so good. My fantasy football team, I got the second most points in the league. And this has happened to me two or three times this season. I just ran into a juggernaut. So now I'm like clawing for my last playoff hopes next week. I need to win, but it's just frustrating. I deserve to win. And then I run into Josh Jacobs, who just decides to go off for 50 points. And he has like a million yard run in overtime to win the Raiders the game. So. You know, it's, what are you going to do? Right, Tim? What are you going to do? Not everything can be peachy keen unless you live in Seattle. Tim, what's going on in Seattle? Last year, they were they were a complete joke. 
Nobody expected much from them based on their expansion draft. They really played terrible last year when it was all said and done. They lived up to their expectations, with which were none, nil, void. Even in a terrible Western Conference, Seattle found a way to be bad, which is which is hard to do. Fast forward to this year, Tim. It's a completely different team. These guys are winning. They're playing with pace. They're scoring goals. They're on a five-game winning streak. They're eight and one and one in their last ten. They're second place in the Pacific. They're third in the Western Conference. Second in the Western Conference, excuse me. What has happened to the Seattle Kraken, Tim? I'm th- I'm remembering our very first um when we had the draft last year, the expansion draft, and our very first like reaction to that was basically that they drafted a defensive team where they they placed a lot of emphasis on the defensive players and the forwards they drafted were mostly like two ways responsible players. I think the highest offensive upside at the time of the draft was probably Eberly and he was on the you know the downswing. And so we, we, you kind of thought, okay, maybe this year they add another piece. They add Burakovsky and other guys. You know they're getting a little bit better. You had the, the rookies coming up like Beniers, and all of a sudden. They're not like lighting the world on fire, but they're top 10 in goals right now. And they're plus 15 on the year. They're a good team. And I feel like we got to start taking them seriously. They won their fifth straight against Anaheim last night. They're nine and two in November. That puts them in the top three in the, in the entire league for the month of November, which is just crazy. And they're beating up on the Pacific division teams, rightfully so, because the people in the Pacific division are well-documented, just terrible hockey teams, but they're also beating some pretty legit teams. They beat the New York Rangers. They beat the Vegas Golden Knights. So this isn't just them feasting on the bad competition in the Pacific division. The Seattle Kraken are the real deal. When you look at their roster, nothing really stands out as an albatross contract. They obviously had the Shane Wright debacle. He was sent down for conditioning more air quotes for those of you not looking at our YouTube video, which we don't do, but yeah, he's sent down. He's the only thing this off season where I look at their roster He's the only one who hasn't really performed other than Philip Grubauer. I would say this. He is the worst signing to date for the Seattle Kraken because he just hasn't worked out. But thankfully, Tim, who has come in to save the day for the Seattle Kraken? Because Philip Grubauer was supposed to be their guy. He leads Colorado. Fantastic for the Avalanche. Signs a big ticket with the Seattle Kraken. Hasn't performed. Now, who's stepped in, Tim? Journeyman to just fill the void that Philip Grubauer could not fill. Yeah, it's Martin Jones. And we have spent a lot of time over the years talking about this guy because he was so taking it back. I was actually remembering he was drafted by the Kings and he was kind of coming up behind Johnny Quick. I know you hate when I call him that, but Johnny Quick. And he was basically like the next big thing at the time. He was one of like a class of, you know, four or five players at that point in 2013, 14, where like he could take over, they could trade him. They have a wealth of goaltenders. And then he went to um, San Jose and he was a pretty good first couple of years. He was solid. You look at his numbers and there's a major drop off around 17, 18, 19, around that time, which is coincidentally a major drop off in how the rest of the team performed. It's not just him. You got, Pavelski being traded, you got Jumbo and Marlowe getting old, Burns and Carlson aren't working out, but team starts going downward and Martin Jones goes down with it. And then last year, he was in Philadelphia for, for a year, played 35 games. Not great, not great, but again, a bad team. Then you put him on the good team, low pressure situation. I don't know. He's only started 16 games out of, the, out of uh, 17 appearances. He's been leading the ship. He's 11 and 4, 258 goals against, 903 save percentage. Not incredible. But good enough. And I would say probably better than most people expected from him. And it was a huge reason why this team has performed so well this year. Yeah, they've been playing great. What do you think is the cause of this? Aside from Martin Jones, like you mentioned, it was well documented when they had the expansion draft. They didn't do what the Vegas Golden Knights did and just took the high end, high talent, flashy names like they did. What's the reason for their success? Is it their improved offense, Matty Beignets? Or is it just the defense? Is it Larson and Dunn and Alexiak and Schultz, who are very, very solid top four defensemen? What do you think the reason is that they're having so much success this year? I think, honestly, I mean, it's obviously a little bit of everything, but I look at the offensive depth. So they don't rely on any one player. And even the, their highest point producer is Burakovsky, who's got 21 points in 21 games. But he's only got seven goals. And they have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. 
five, six players with six or more goals. It's just like they're not reliant on any one guy. And if Burakovsky is an off night, then Jerry McCann's going to come up or Jaden Swartz is going to step up. And Jordan Eberle goes down with injury and you can put a Wenberg or even a Tanub. That's another part I think is underrated about this. When you think of like guys that are gritty, that are responsible, that are physical, not huge and imposing, not enforcers, but guys that can kind of do a little bit of everything as well as get under your skin. You would think that Yanni Gord and Brandon Tanev are two of the better players in the league at doing that. And they're all on the same team and they happen to play together a lot at the same time. And those guys are really effective when they get going. So ask it, you know, the opponents how effective they can be. So I think they've got... They've got a probably an underrated roster. I think they're obviously, you know, I think there's still a couple pieces away from saying, okay, this is a contender to worry about in the postseason. But I think they've surprised some people, including myself. Well, with everybody, I would think. And I'm, I don't want to keep saying it. I don't want to diminish their success, but playing in the Pacific does give them a little bit of an edge. And you look at their roster, the way it's constructed. How does a team like Columbus get rid of an Oliver Bjorkstrand? He was fantastic in Columbus. He's came over to Seattle, hasn't produced at all. So they've been winning without him even getting any goals. He's got two goals to date in 21 games. So it's it's not like he's lighting the world on fire, but he's a consistent 20-goal scorer. So he still has some room to grow. You look at the top-end guys, there is some room to grow with this group. And they're winning even without some of their top guys producing. I think the one person who stands out for me and who stands out for Seattle, he's on all their advertisements. He's all over. He's the guy who's there. They're pushing is Matty Beignets. The guy's unbelievable. When you look at Calder Trophy candidates so far, he's at the top of the list. I don't know who is second to him, but the guy produces. He's fantastic. He's everything Seattle wants him, which is funny because coming into the season, if you were to pick a rookie for the Seattle Kraken to, to have a Calder Trophy candidate season, it would have been Shane Wright. Shane Wright started the season unimpressive. He's only played seven games, went down to the AHL for a conditioning stint. Interesting stat, though. Kid's got four goals in three games. He's playing fantastic in uh well, gosh, what's their uh what's their junior team or the AHL team? Uh Bakersfield, I want to say. He's playing great. So his conditioning stint is up soon. What do they do with him, Tim? Now that he's gone down to the AHL and he's showing some fire, he's showing that he's he's ready for the pro level. He's dominating the AHL. Do they send him down to juniors so they can go to the world juniors at Christmas time? Or do you now keep him with Seattle because he's gone down there and produced? What happens? Do they give him a few more games at the NHL level before they send him down? Yeah, I'm not an expert on this. I, I think he's got a couple of more games of quote-unquote eligibility where he, we can still play in the NHL before they're at a decision-making yeah, point. Yeah, he's got so 13 is his max in the NHL, so he has a few more games to go. Yeah, so I think you, you see him play there and see if that, that same fire in production um continues there but again it's only a couple games so it's hard to put too much weight into it but then i think you let him play world juniors and i think at that point they had the decision i would probably at this point keep him up with a team he's too good for the ohl he's too good for that team then you also have like the i don't want to call it ethical dilemma but like do you put him back with the same team he was last year because that doesn't seem fair to other teams and so what you move him on to somewhere else and then he really is too good. And I think once you go down, you can't come back up to the NHL this year, right? And so there's all kinds of – it's not an easy decision. I think probably you, you bring him up, but I, I don't know. I don't know what else you do. I don't know what you mean by ethical. So it would be bad if he went back to Kingston Frontenac's his OHL team? Yeah, I saw some um, some conversation about whether or not that was – ethical is too strong of a word, but like is that fair basically to bring him down to the same team he was on – when he already got drafted, got went up to the NHL, like, can he really go back and play for that team again? By fairness rights, the argument was that he shouldn't have to play. If he goes back to the NHL, OHL, play with a different team. Why? Because the Kingston Frontenacs would be too good? I don't know. Probably has something to do with, like, the eligibility of him already playing all those games with that team and he have to go somewhere else. I don't know. I, again, this is not my – I saw a conversation online about it. He's only 18 years old. Send him back down to the OHL. Let him have a good season. Let him go to World Juniors. Let him win a gold medal. Get him back to where he's successful. I think – and then – just player management wise, contract wise, you still get him for another year of eligibility. So there, it, there's no doubt in my mind that they send him down. If a GM has any salt to his name in managing his team and managing his contracts, Ron, Ronnie Francis, he's been around. 
this kid's getting sent down. He's got two more games left in the AHL. I think you can play five. So maybe he'll give him a few more games. He'll loan him to Canada for the World Juniors. And once that is done, they'll send him down. So I fully envision him to be with Seattle for a few more weeks. He'll get the loan for the World Juniors, which I believe is middle of December. They loan them out to go to training camp, exhibition games. Once that wraps up around the first week of January, that's when I see him going back to Kingston. He'll go there. He'll tear it up. He he got something silly last year, like 90 points in 40 games or 50 games in Kingston. And he, he was a he was an incredible player. Went went to the the playoffs, didn't really win the what's it called? The called is it the Calder in the H or the OHL two? Memorial Memorial. Cup. Memorial. Yeah. Didn't win the Memorial Cup. So yeah, he's got something to play for in Kingston. So I, I fully see him going back there. He got 94 and 63. <laughs> good for him. He's a good player. But there's no reason for him to be in Seattle. Even if he does get a couple goals in the AHL, it's good. Build his confidence. But he's he's not an NHL player just yet. I play with so many guys in the AHL who are incredible. Like absolutely lights out, over a point per game guy. And it just didn't translate to the NHL for whatever reason. I, I No rhyme or reason whatsoever. They were just lighting it up in the AHL. Then they go to the NHL and it just didn't happen. So hopefully this isn't the case with the Shane Wright. But when you look at the guy who was drafted one or, number one overall, Sakovsky, he's done nothing this year. He, I, the only highlights I see of him are just getting destroyed, like absolutely just massive hit after massive hit. He was used to juniors overseas when he could just overpower guys. He was just physically bigger, so he wouldn't get blown up. This season, this guy has just got punching bag. Everywhere he goes, he goes into the corner, just gets lit up, Go crosses the blue line, he just gets lit up. He's just like, he's a modern-day Louis Erickson. Keeps his head down and just gets destroyed. Someone blew him up last game. I don't know who they were playing, but gosh, he came across the blue line and just got absolutely lambasted. They were playing Chicago. I think Dickinson caught him with his head down, and then everybody tried to fight Dickinson, whatever. But anyways, Shane Wright, back down to juniors, but more importantly, the Seattle Kraken. They're playing great. I think they got a little bit of goal scoring, a little bit of grittiness. Martin Jones has solidified that hole in their lineup because, gosh, poor guy. Do you think it was a mistake for him? Because I know Colorado offered him a deal. They had to have. Do you think it was a mistake for him to not take that and think he could be a starter somewhere else? Because he could be riding shotgun in Colorado, doing what he did there for years. He would have a Stanley Cup ring on his finger. Now he's making a lot of money. Don't get me wrong but he's playing for the Seattle Kraken and he's backing up no chance of winning a Stanley cup in the next few years. Do you think he has some regrets signing that deal with Seattle? I mean, maybe it's easy in 2020, right? Like at the time he had just had his best, I think his best year, uh, at least in terms of wins and everything. And so it's like, okay, well I can go somewhere else and go prove that I can go do this and be the guy. And yeah, last that season he had 30 wins seven shutouts, sub nine, sub two goals against, like it was an incredible season. So I think he was betting on himself and so far it looks like he lost, but I don't know. It's, it's kind of early to say that it's a horrible mistake or something. Well, then that's a sliding scale, right? Horrible mistake. The guy makes what five and a half a year, six and a half a year. So it's never a horrible mistake when you can bank that much money, but it's just all about, are you happy? I don't think he's happy. He's backing up Martin Jones. He was horrendous last year. He was really bad the year prior. He hasn't had a good, solid stretch in Seattle where it's like, oh, I'm glad we signed this guy. No. Every, every month, you look at his stats, you look at his record, it's like, gosh, this guy sucks. What are we doing here? This guy's, we're, we're locked into him for another five more years? I don't know. This ain't good. But what am I to say? Good for him. He got his contract and moving on. Seattle's winning. It's a fun time to be on the West Coast. Tim, shifting to the Midwest. My Detroit Red Wings. Why do I say my Detroit Red Wings? I don't know. Maybe because I'm in Michigan, I feel I have some kind of allegiance to them, but whatever. They're Detroit Red Wings. They're back, Tim. They started off good. Then they kind of cooled. Now they're back. They're third in the Atlantic. They're 11-5-4. They're playing their best hockey. They're getting goal scoring from everywhere. More importantly, Billy Hustle's playing fantastic. Does Detroit have the best two-goalie tandem in the league? I don't know. They're playing so great. Give us a little breakdown on the Detroit Red Wings, Tim. What's what's going on with this team? Right. So they're eleven five and four on the year, third in the Atlantic. They got that playoff spot if it were to season were to end today. 
And so taking it back to the goaltending stuff, our friend of the show, Alex Najelkovic, was traded to Detroit in July of 2021. And everyone kind of assumed, okay, because they still had, um, they had just gotten rid of Grice and they kept, uh, oh, I forget the other guy, but it was Najelkovic's net. And then Jonathan this Bernier? Year, yes, sure. Bernier. Yep. And then this July, they traded a third round pick for Huso, who had a great year, um, technically backing up Bennington and missed a little bit of time. And everyone kind of thought, well, for all the goal, remember this, like all the teams that needed the goalie and you got Huso being traded for a third round pick. And you're like, uh, why didn't like Minnesota go get this guy? Or why didn't Washington go get this guy or Flyers or someone? And then Huso is completely taken over. He's nine and two on the year, leads the league in shutouts with three. He's top 10 in save percentage and goals against. It's his net right now. And on the flip side, it's not like he's just paying better than Djokovic. Djokovic, again, friend of the show, like the guy, having a really bad season. He's two and three goals against is almost four and a half, save percentage eight seventy-three. I don't know what's going on with him. And it can't be easier to come back knowing you've got Huso just playing so lights out, but he's really been the story of this team so far. If you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and you're sitting here watching Billy Husso, and for those of you listening, I know it's frustrating. To hear Tim call him Huso, Mitz Husso. You you have no idea. Let's be clear about that. If you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, you must must be more frustrated at our pronunciation of Husso to know that you could have traded for this goaltender for a third rounder. Because this guy was on the market for a long time with the St. Louis Blues. It was well known. They were locked into Jordan Bennington for a long time. Billy Husso had a fantastic year last year. They couldn't afford both of them. So this guy was on the trade market. Why not throw a feeler out there for this guy if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs GM? I do, and this is a thing where maybe I don't get it. Maybe I, I'm just missing something. Why are you calling on Matt Murray? Why are you calling on Elias Samsonov? And I know we always bring it back to Toronto, but there weren't many Stanley Cup contending teams who were in the mix this year who were going to be contenders who needed the goaltender. There was two. The Edmonton Oilers, they went out and they got a guy who they thought was good, Jack Campbell. And there was the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they got two complete unknowns. Billy Husso was a known commodity. He was fantastic last year for St. Louis. And he's proving proven again this year for Detroit. Why not? This is the thing I don't understand. Why did he not just make a phone call? Maybe he did. Maybe the third rounder was too pricey for him. I got traded for a fifth rounder. Third rounders are nothing. When you look at the draft results year to year to year to year to year, and you look at who actually plays games that got drafted in the third round, 5%. And they're very inconsequential games. So it's not like you're stockpiling third rounders because you got you to gotta keep your third rounders because they're going to make a difference. No, this isn't football. This is hockey. It's mostly first rounders throughout the league scattered with a couple second rounders. And then you got the outliers, the undrafted free agents, and then a few 10 round, like 10th rounders that are just aberrations. It, it, it just boggles my mind. Maybe they were cap compliant. They were trying to worry about the cap. Matt Murray still makes a lot of money, Tim. I don't know. Stuff like that really irks me, but good for Detroit. Good for Steve Eiserman. He had a lot of foresight, even getting Nadelkovich. He's a good goalie. He's obviously struggling. He's a very good goalie. Billy Hustle's a very good goalie. Stevie Eisman, man, I tell you what, he is just pushing all the right buttons. He really is. He gets this guy, steals him from St. Louis. He's playing fantastic. He gets all of these, I don't want to say subpar players, but great players who people just for some reason don't want on their team. Another guy from St. Louis, David Perron. Everybody has this idea of a David Perron. He's just, ah, he's a little pest. You know, he just gets under your skin. He's He's okay. You can lock this guy in for 60 points. <laughs> you know, you can lock him in 60 points, put him on your first line. He'll probably get you seven or 80. Like he was a point per game guy two years ago. Last year, he got 57 and 67. It's just boggles my mind. He's got 16 and 20 this year. Another guy, Andrew Cup. People just forget about him. I was ragging on him a couple weeks ago because he wasn't scoring goals. Don't look now. Starting to score some goals, Tim. He's got one more than we talked last time. So he's got two guys heating up. But what else? Are they 
are they beating people with just structure? Are they beating people with shutouts? Are they beating people with defense? Because another friend of the show, Mo Sider, not having that great of a, a second season. He's having a sophomore slump so far. But is that because he's getting more ice time? Maybe his his competition is a little bit higher. He's riding shotgun to Ben Sherat. What's the what's the what's going on with Mo Sider one? And then how is Detroit winning all these games? Because it's not like they're playing in a powder puff div- division like the uh, the Pacific, Tim. Yeah, um, we talked a little about the most Sider thing a couple of weeks ago. I think a lot of, I mean, the sophomore slump is a thing for a lot of reasons. The guys are now, you know, organizing and structuring their game to play against you. They've got the playmaking thing happening. When you have a reputation of being that caliber of player, you got guys game plenty against you. So that's part of it. And, and I think honestly, we talked about this too. Like it has to do with situational and like the amount of times he was put on the face off dot on his own end compared to the other end and all this stuff. So, I think he'll be fine. Most others fine. Another guy I want to touch on is the is the Kubelik kid. So Dominic Kubelik, another guy, another castoff who, yeah, Chicago didn't want him, and Eiserman just cashes in. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So so Kubelik, um, he came onto the scene uh, two years ago, nineteen twenty, and he had thirty goals in the short uh, 2019, 2020 season. And um, oh, sorry, he, I thought you said nineteen twenty <laughs> by mistake. I wasn't no. trying to bust your chops. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, great year. And then he kind of, kind of, sort of came down the last couple of seasons, as did everyone else in the Blackhawks. And then all of a sudden, he's just sort of cast away. He's just sort of like, oh, he's not that great. And here he is this year. Eisenman gives him a shot. He's got nine goals, 21 points in 20 games. He's really producing for these guys. He's been a goal scorer for basically his whole career. And this is his fourth year. He's only played like 200 games just because of the shortened seasons and stuff. But he's played really well. The other guy I want to touch on is Philip Ronick. Now, this is the guy that I've always kind of had my eye on for probably three or so years now, just because I feel like every time I read about the Red Wings preview or like a fantasy hockey preview, a breakout list or whatever, he's always on it because he's got some offensive skill. He's got some, uh, using a baseball term, he's got some pop on his bat for being a defensive guy. And he's never quite put it together. I think his best season, probably like 35 points, somewhere in that range. And now this year, he's got 18 points in 20 games. He's playing really well. And you feel like you're starting to see that, that production starting to come along. And I feel like as a group, there's just there's a certain confidence there. It's hard for me because I still don't really take this team that seriously. And I feel like that's probably more on me than anything. And then, you know, Captain America, Captain whatever you want to call him, Dylan Larkin, he's so productive, but so boring. You know, I, I don't know. It's almost like he's so automatic that it's not exciting. You know what I mean? Like he's got 23 points in 20 games. He's This should probably be the best season of his career statistically if he keeps that pace up. But he's basically been a point-per-game guy in most of his career. And I feel like you you almost don't think about him or talk about him because he's, so, he's just so automatic with it. Why is that? I, I'm looking at his stats now. You're looking at what he's done in the league so far. He's played 500 games. He's got almost 400 points. He's producing. But he just gets disrespected every single year. And I don't know why. Because if if you would have asked me my my first impression of a Dylan Larkin, I would have just said underperforming. He's their captain. He was their franchise guy. They let's build around Dylan Larkin. I would have just assumed he has just been playing bad the last few years. But don't look now. Like you said, he's a point per game guy the last couple of years, and he's really producing. And this year he's over a point per game. I don't know. Maybe it's just people think Detroit is just not a winning organization anymore. And they, they've earned that. They've earned that thought process. But gosh, they, Dylan Larkin's playing well. I was just thinking when you were talking about Kublik, I saw Kirby Doc. He buried the shootout winner for Montreal in Chicago this past week. Did you see that when he gave the fans a little, he put his hand up to his ear like Patrick Kane did when he, him and Austin Matthews were going back and forth? Yeah, I loved it. What do you think the GM of Chicago is thinking? You look at Detroit, you look at Dominic Kublik, okay, having a pretty good season. You look at Montreal, you look at Kirby Doc, oh, he's having a pretty good season. If I'm a GM, I know Kublik's 27, he's spent a lot of time overseas, but he's still relatively young for his NHL career. He's only played 200-some games, but all that aside, don't you think you'd want these type of guys on your team? A, a good pace playing winger who can get up and down the ice who's six foot two not afraid to play a little physical and it can put the puck on the put the puck in the net and then a six foot five centerman who was just scratching his potential who is finally getting his 
you know, coming into his own as a hockey player, really finding his body for tall guys. It, it takes a little bit more time to get coordinated, like learn your body. You build muscle slower. It's just the nature of the beast. What it just brings me. Why is there no patience? People want results right away. If you were to just stick it up with Kirby doc and Dominic Kubelik, you would be in a such better spot if you're the Chicago Blackhawks, but maybe they don't want to be in that spot. Maybe they want to be in the Connor Connor Bedard rankings. Everyone's already talking about they're ready to sell, not just Kane and Taves, which are going to get rid of Athanasio. They're going to get rid of Max Domi. They're going to get rid of all these guys they brought in, and they will. They're going to they're going to sell the ship again. But does it sting knowing that the guys you let walk are just they're thriving other places, and then your first overall pick, Kirby Doc, friend of the show, he comes in and he shoves it right up your hoo ha. He's like, "Let me hear it. Let me hear it, everybody." I just I just sank your battleship. I won the game, baby. And then he goes on his way, the future captain of the Montreal Canadiens. D- I don't know. Should he lose his job for that? Because when you look at how to build a team, you would think, and we, we talked about it endlessly when they traded him. Why is, why is he doing this? Do you think it stings for the Blackhawks? Do you think he loses his job for this, or should he? I, just Yes or no, we don't have to spend much time on it. But I just thought it was funny because Martin, Martin St. Louis gave a quote after the game, talking about Kirby Doc and his successes and how he's really coming into his own as a player. And he said, you know, you, you got to have patience with these young players. And some people, they just don't have any patience and they want to see results right away. And if you don't have patience, then you lose out on a lot of good players. I'm obviously extending the quote a little bit, but he did kind of lay into Chicago a little bit saying, hey, man, you guys, you don't know what you're doing over there. Yeah, yeah, I was going to bring up that that quote from Marty San Luis because he basically talked about like, hey, I what I look at this kid, I see like a big, strong body who's got some skill. He was a third overall pick, so the pedigree is there. Like, of course, we're going to give him some time to flesh out his game and develop himself. And I know he was there for three seasons in Chicago, but not really. He was injured and he missed some time. We talked about all that when the trade happened. So I'm glad for him. I'm happy that he's doing what he's doing. And um, yeah, it's it's just cool to see like these guys, these younger players, especially just get a new breath playing in new markets and producing like him, like Kublik, some of the other guys that we've talked about. It's really cool to see. One of the team, John, I want to touch on um, before we get into some of the other stuff. The Carolina Hurricanes, my Carolina Hurricanes, because I live in Carolina, we spent a lot of time talking about these exciting breakout teams like the Devils and the Isles, especially, but they're both in the Metro Division. And we've kind of glossed over that the Canes have just sort of been okay. And that's probably the reason we haven't talked about them, because they haven't really done anything noteworthy. They haven't played that bad. But they haven't played that great either. They're eleven, six, and five, winning record. It's pretty solid. But again, that's that's an NHL winning record. That's really real life. They haven't they've lost as many games as they won. The third in the Metro. And this is a team, okay, it's fine. And maybe they they'll shake it off. But this is the team that a lot of us had in the running for the president's trophy at the beginning of the year. I think you might have picked them, or you were one of the teams that you had your eye on. So I don't know. Are you concerned about this team or is this team overrated? Is a little bit of a slow start? Am I just reading too much into a team that's, that's, there's not much there. They got some injury issues. Obviously, Pacioretty before the season, that was a big one. Tuevo Teravainen's out. Andre Kasha's out. Freddie Anderson's out. Jake Gardner. I think he's done for his career, but that, that's a huge loss for him. <sighs> Perennial Norris Trophy candidate. Um, yeah. So they're dealing with some injuries. Opposite of the Pacific Division, they play good teams every single night. I think they're doing fine. I'm not worried about the Carolina Hurricanes. We all know they'll make the dance. They'll be there. They're just trying to get there and limit the amount of injuries that they get along the way. And right now, they're not doing a good job. They got Jordan Martinook playing the first line. I know Marty. I play with him in Arizona. He's not a first-line player. He's a fourth- and third-line player. So things things will sort out. The guys will come back. They'll get healthy, hopefully. And they will be a player. When it comes to the Stanley Cup time, because they are, I'm not worried about them whatsoever. The fact that they're in third place in the East, I think they're doing just, not in the East, excuse me, in the Metro, they're doing just fine. They, they'll hype it up a little bit. I know they've been struggling their last 10. I think they've got three wins or something in the last 10, but it, it'll be fine, Tim. Don't worry. Your Carolina Hurricanes are going to do good. They're going to make the playoffs. It, you got to have a little patience. And I pulled up that Marty St. Louis quote on Kirby Docks. Speaking of patience, It's a little more zippy than I thought it was. He goes, quote, if you give up on a player who is 21, whether that's in hockey or whatever, I think you haven't shown a lot of patience and you maybe don't have the big picture in mind or much of a growth mindset. That's a shot across the bow from Marty St. Louis. He's basically saying you guys don't have any foresight and you're 
the way you coach and the way you develop players sucks. So good for Marty. Good for Kirby Doc. Not good for the Carolina Hurricanes just yet, but I think they'll find their way. You know what I need to do when I find my way, Tim? Tim? Yeah, you. sometimes you wait for me to answer, sometimes you don't. I just, I don't answer anymore. I, I fire up DoorDash. That's what I do when I need to find my way. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry, everybody. Tim, it's a Monday for Tim. He's a little slow. Yeah, John's on Tuesday already. What do you I do with DoorDash, John? Two steps ahead. I fire up DoorDash on my phone, my Apple TV. My, I don't have a TV. It's a, it's a lifestyle choice. But my my iPad, my computer, wherever I am, I fire up DoorDash. Use our promo code GlovesDDUS because I'm in Traverse City, Michigan. But if I'm in Canada, all I have to do is GlovesDD. I get 25% off. I get free delivery. And it works out great when I'm in Canada because I don't have my car usually. I'm doing a charity event. I'm so giving. They deliver right to the hotel. Whatever I want, wherever I am, DoorDash finds me and they get me my food. They get it to me hot. They get it to me delicious. And it's just a great, great company. So use our promo code GlovesDDUS if you're in the US of A. GlovesDD if you're in Canada. Get yourself some food. Have yourself some fun. Save yourself some money. And it's on us, baby. I don't think anybody else in the world has this deal. So you're you're getting the grade A primo deals with dropping the gloves and DoorDash. So check it out. DoorDash, they're a fantastic company, Tim. Fantastic. All right. There's some fisticuffs in the NHL this week. And it's not the likely participants, Tim. Connor Garland and Jonathan Marchestone. Have you did you see this fight, Tim? I did. I love when the, the little guys go at it. It's a lot of fun. It was a terrible fight. Don't get me wrong. But what piqued our interest is a little known penalty that occurred in the fight. The strap rule. Did you know about this, Tim? I did, but I feel like it's been a while since this has been an issue or a story. Well, because it shouldn't be an issue. So every Connor Garland got kicked out of the game because he did not have his tie down attached to his pants. And for those of you who don't know, because maybe some people don't have game-issued jerseys just lying around their house. Every NHL jersey is affixed with a Velcro strap on the bottom of the jersey. The reason for this is, so if you get into a fight or an altercation, the jersey doesn't come over your head and put yourself in a vulnerable situation, or you can use it for an advantage and just take your jersey right off, a la friend of the show, Rob Ray. He used to just do a strip tease every time he would get into a fight, and he would be just half naked from the waist up. Trying to fight some guy. It's like trying to wrestle with the greased up uh, somebody. Rob Ray. It's it's not fair. So they put the fighting strap on. And you have to have it done up. I don't care if you're a fighter. I don't care if you're a skill guy. For cases like this, when Connor, Connor McGarland is up 5 nothing versus the Vegas Golden Knights, he's had enough of Jonathan Marshall. He said, let's go. Lo and behold, the jersey gets over his head. The ref stops it right away, which he's supposed to do. The guy gets kicked out of the game because it's a misconduct. Can't have it. Do up your fighting strap. It's actually a little button in the middle with Velcro surrounding it. So you loop it through your pants, you seal up the Velcro, and you snap the snap. That's all it is. I knew some fighters used to have them on the front of the jersey, so you couldn't do the jersey jabs and pull the jersey up, so you wouldn't be able to do that. I, I knew a lot of little different things, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, have you? I, I haven't seen this. So kind of a mistake by Connor Garland. It takes two seconds to do your fighting strap up. I don't know. Yeah. I kind wonder if it was like, non- it, oh, go ahead. Did he, did he mean to do it? Or he didn't like the way it feels or whatever. Did he forget when he was getting dressed or forget that he didn't? I don't know. Did you, was it already a rule when you got to the NHL? The fighting? Strap? Yeah, it was a rule, but it's funny. Cause I used to Jersey guys all the time because I was so tall in the AHL. So I don't know if it was, it came into effect when I got to the NHL or was already there if it wasn't a thing in the AHL, but it definitely, it definitely lengthened out my fights because when I would get tired, I would just Jersey somebody and the fight would be over. But in the NHL, you couldn't do that. So you, there would be a marathon fights like Cam Jansen for Pete's sake, friend of the show, me and him would fight for like two and a half minutes and I would be exhausted. But, uh, Nah, so it's just, it's just one of those things. You just do it up. It's maybe they, the skill guys don't even know it's even there. Cause they never get into a fight. Did it ever happen in one of your fights where the, the guy's strap wasn't done? Um, yeah, but a lot of the times you, the, the strap rips and then they can just say rip. So I, I've, I would assume some fighters cut the strap 
So it just comes undone because it's an advantage to get your jersey out at the end of the day. Yes, there's that split second where it's over your head and maybe you might get teed up with one. But if you can get it off, there's nothing much for that other person to grab onto that they can really gain some strength with. Because if you grab a guy's shoulder pads, it's loosey-goosey and you might as well just grab on to nothing. So in a hockey fight, you want to be able to pull with your grab hand and push with your punch hand. So it's like you're going back and forth with both of them. So you're you're pulling the guy in while you're punching him. So you maximum damage is being inflicted. So if there's nothing to grab onto, I watch those old tapes with Rob Ray. I'm like, gosh, it would be so hard to fight that guy. There's just nothing. Like, what did you grab his hair? I think that's a lot of the times why they just kind of gave him a headlock because it would it's just not fair. It really is not fair if if that guy is able to strip down and you have to fight someone with just nothing on. And it's just gross. It's like, I don't want to touch your body, bro. Like, let's just let's just go to the penalty box. But no. Didn't happen to me. No one's ever jerseyed me because I'd use a tight end. All right. And quick hits, Tim. Yeah. Uh, my Bruins set a record over the weekend. NHL record in the history of the league. The first time a team has been 12-0 and at home to start the season. Just amazing. A comeback win, no less. Um, the team just keeps on rolling. I don't know what else to say about them. They're the Stanley Cup favorite right now. They have to be the team. They are. Yeah. They're so they're 18 and three. That's insane. That's like we're a quarter of the way through the, th- through the season right now. If you max that out, what is that an 82 game schedule tip? If you just multiply that by four, 82 70, and 12, 80, 70 and 12, 72 yeah. or 70 and 12. That's insane. Boy, oh boy, this, and they don't even have an overtime loss. That's so good. They are every, like they go to the overtime four times. They win all those. They're the only team in the NHL other than the Buffalo Sabres who don't have an overtime loss. So it's amazing. The buff, the Bruins are, they're killing it. I don't know any other team that even compares to them right now. If the playoffs started today, that Eastern conference final would be epic. The Bruins and the devils. That'd be so incredibly fun to win. So actually on them, they placed Anton Strawman on the waivers like an hour ago. And that's interesting because it basically it's, it's working up Derek Forbert's return, which is going to be probably any day now, but they still have more cap space to resolve. They have 1.6 right now. Strawman gives them an extra million. So it's 2.6, but Forbert's cap space is happy is three even. And so they're still going to figure out a way to open up some space. Probably they'll trade Mike Riley, who's down in Providence, but his, his cap still counts against his salary still counts against the cap with a buried penalty. And so I think they'll probably end up moving him to make room for Forbert. And then I don't know what if they expect Strawman to play in the AHL or not, or hoping he gets clean. I'm not sure. I haven't been that impressed with him. Um, but just to go to show you, they're adding a legit money, uh, not money, minute hoarding uh, top four defenseman with Forbert returns, who also happens to have great chemistry with Charlie McAvoy. And so just they're going to get better by then. This time next week, they'll be even better than they are now. You think Forbert's a top four guy? You honestly do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 This year, I mean, uh, on this team, especially the, the year that he had last year was really, really good in the playoffs. He's not like, he's not like a top, I don't know, what do you, 50 defenseman in the NHL or anything, but he does some things really well that complements McAvoy's game. Um, and so, yeah, on this team, he's definitely playing top four. Well, where does he slot in? Does he, does he break up Grizzlick and Carlo and Lindholm and McAvoy, or is he going to be a five, six guy with Clifton? I think honestly, I think he plays with McAvoy. And I think you probably put I it depends on what you do with, with this next two pairs, but you can go uh I would probably do Clifton and, and Lindholm and Grislow and Carlick as your third pairing. Wow. That they got a good decor. <laughs> they, they really have reworked bringing in Lindholm. <sighs> Bruins are strong. I disagree with you with Forbert. I don't think he's a top four guy. I think he's a five, six guy, and that's perfect for his role. He's a big physical guy. He's decent with the puck. He's not going to blow you away with his op- offensive upside, but he's not a rely like a liability out there. But he's a good five, six guy. That that's my opinion. But yeah, Strawman, it was a good attempt. He's just too old. He's played a lot of hockey. He's played a lot of hockey. Another NHL record was set. The Dallas Stars, kind of a funny record. They're the first team in NHL history to come back down three goals in the third period and win the game in regulation. A lot of people have come back. A lot of guys have won in an overtime. The Stars came back, Tim, in the third period, and I think it was 10 minutes left or something, to the Chicago Blackhawks. They scored five straight goals to win it 6-4. to four. 
don't know. I just thought that was a neat stat. It's never been done before. Usually, you know, you don't you don't set NHL records every single day. That's kind of a neat thing the Dallas Stars did. To my that surprises me a little bit. Doesn't it? Me too. And I'm very happy are on our next little note here because it's just amazing. Not a lot of guys get a second chance. Not a lot of guys get a third chance. Some people, if they're lucky, get four chances. This guy has gotten 17 chances, and I'm happy for him. Alex Galchenyuk. Can you believe he's only 28 years old? He's played for 25 teams now in his career. Well, he's coming back again to the Colorado Avalanche. He signed a PTO with the Avalanche earlier this month. He's been down with their AHL team, the Colorado Eagles. He's been playing okay. You know, seven points in seven games. Not really lighting the world on fire, but enough to get the the nod, to get a contract with the Colorado Avalanche. He's coming up. He signed a big club deal, NHL deal, and he'll be back with them this weekend, Tim. What do you th- or this week? What do you what do you make of this? The guy just won't go away. The cat came back the very next day. It, so this nine lives for this guy. This will be the eighth NHL sweater that he's worn in the last five years, which is Crazy just town. Crazy. And so this, this reminds me of, um, when we interviewed Biz, like, I don't know, two or three years ago now. And you guys had a great conversation about guys getting chances. And this, it wasn't about Calchaniak. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he basically was talking about guys that were like, yeah, you know, it's, it's the opportunity. It's the system. I'm not getting a fair shake. And he's like, well, you have guys that have been on five teams in five years. Are you sure it's them? It's not you. Cause like Galchenyuk, he's getting these opportunities. I, I mean, I hope he produces. Like I, I want him to do well, but it is kind of funny. Like he is the, the reason we call it the Galchenyuk effect. He's just a small sample size of success when he was very young and he keeps getting opportunities and hopefully he's working hard to earn them. And he, he, he signed a PTO a couple of weeks back and he's played seven games down for the Colorado Eagles, which is the first time I've ever heard that name. Is that a new team? I've never heard Who that. Who knows? So the AHL, AHL teams jump around so often. Yeah. But yeah, I, I have no idea. So he's got seven points in seven games. And it's like, okay, fine. Uh, so he's time with the team, 750K through the rest of the year. And he'll be with Colorado. You got to think they'll give him a shot in the top six, right? Just to see if he happens to get some chemistry going with some of those top elite talents they have. Well, this is the beautiful thing about his situation, yeah, he's going to step in because Colorado has some injuries. Landis Gog's obviously out. Nishuskin's out. They got McDermott, their big tough guys out. Evan Rodriguez is day-to-day, so he's not in the lineup. He's going to slot in and play on the second line. So he, he will get some opportunity. He'll get some power play time because right now Colorado is just searching for any kind of offense other than their first line with that Lycan and McKinnon or Antonin. So he, he'll step right in there. He'll take Martin Coutts spot. Like, I don't even know who some of these guys are on the Avalanche's roster just because they're so just ravaged with injuries right now. So he'll get some opportunities. He gets to play in the power play with Kale McCarr and Devin Taves. He'll put up points. He'll put up some points and he'll be, a, he'll be a good contributor. And hopefully when this all shakes out, He'll be on the third line. He'll work hard. He'll get some points, and then he'll sign a new deal. I like when Alex Gachenyuk's in the league. I think he's a talented player, but what drives me nuts is he just keeps getting chances year after year after year when he doesn't produce when he's supposed to produce and being a first or second line guy. Last year, he had 20 points in 60 games. Then the year before that, he had 13 and 40 or whatever. He, He just does enough to keep you interested, but doesn't do enough to get that long term deal. Like he, you know what I mean? He did it for the Montreal deal. That didn't work out. He goes to Arizona, plays okay. Then it was just downhill after that. Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Ottawa, Toronto, back to Arizona. Now he's with Colorado. He's a first and second line guy. He needs to produce. We'll see if it works out. He's going to get his opportunities in Colorado. It's just wild. He's still around. I can't believe it. All right. One last stat that's just really good for Marc-Andre Fleury. Really, really kind of neat. (laughs) Not good for somebody else. Marc-Andre Fleury, he had more power play points for through his first 130 games than Alex Lafreniere did in his first 130 games. So Alex Lafreniere has two power play points, Tim, in his first 130 games. The guy was drafted number one overall. He's supposed to be a, a generational talent coming into the NHL. He has two power play points. In 130 games. Mind you, maybe he didn't get a power play opportunity every single game. But he's been on the power play. 
What do you make of this set? Is it time to finally, and listen, I've been beating this drum for Alex Lafreniere for a long time now. I want him to succeed. I want him to be a success. At the start of every season, two years in a row now, I said the key for the New York Rangers is those young guys. You get Kako going, you get Lafreniere going, then now we can talk. But they just can't figure out. Is it time to just let this this guy go? He's in year four now. Like enough is enough. Or year three now, excuse me. Can we just stick a fork in Lafreniere and say we're done? Uh no, you can't. Uh you can't because of just how how high the potential is. But if you had to imagine the situation for a player to come up and grow and develop in where you're getting good minutes, but not a lot of pressure because you're surrounded by elite talent where you can go be a complimentary guy instead of be the one driving the line and go play with a Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad, whatever combination you want to put in there. It's hard to imagine a better one than the Rangers have given him over the last couple of years. I know there's the, the spotlight and attention with it being a big market in New York City and all that. Maybe that's something that he's not responding to. But, man, this is not at all the player they thought they were drafting. So, I don't know. If you're if you're the Rangers ownership or GM, or are you kind of at your wit's end here? Or are you kind of giving him more time like in our, Mar- Marty St. Louis would say? Oh, I'm banging my head on the wall. I think you've given him, like you said, ample opportunity. He's been getting first line minutes. He's gotten second line minutes. You tried to send a message and put him down on the fourth line. He's gotten the third line. He's had all kinds of different line mates. So, yeah, I'm banging my head on the wall. And I, the same thing goes for Capo Caco. Like, what else do we need to do here, you guys? It's just, it's not working out. And the frustrating thing is, I, I know it's still a small sample size. These guys have only played three, four years, respectively. The guys drafted around them are, are starting to show signs. Like right after Kako was Kirby Doc. Then you got Bowen Byram, a really good defenseman who's coming into his own for the Colorado Avalanche right now. You got Mo Sider, two picks after that. There's Trevor Zegras, a couple picks down from that. So there are good players. Colt Caulfield, who's just playing fantastic this year in that draft. So it, it does irk you a little bit. The 2020 draft, maybe not as good. Tim Stutzel's the best one who was picked a couple picks after Lafreniere. But yeah, like this, this is. What makes or breaks franchises? You have the number one overall pick and you have the number two overall pick. You can see how impactful these types of players can be looking around the league, who wins Stanley Cups. It's usually the guys who draft well, who nail the top five picks. Colorado just did it. They had McKinnon, you got Landeskog, you got Ranton, and those are all high end draft picks. So they just they they hit that pick. You look at the teams who aren't successful, they didn't hit those picks. So it's frustrating. Poor Alex Lafreniere. I, I say you, you got to cut bait on one of them. You, you can't keep stringing these two along and hoping that they're going to turn the corner when they don't do. And just giving them opportunities because the Rangers are in championship season right now. They have a stud defenseman in Adam Fox. They have high-end forwards in Panarin, Zabinajad, Kreider. They got an all-world goaltender in Shesterkin. You can't keep messing around with these two guys hoping it's their year and they're the key to the season. Like I said, this season, those two need to go in order for them to be contenders. No, they're not. They're not working out. You trade them. Somebody will, you know, give you a high return on those, these two guys. You have to get something from them because you are a Stanley cup contender. You can't just sit here and hope, hope and a prayer. It doesn't work for NHL hockey players who are trying to teams who are trying to win the Stanley cup Tim. So, I know I, I'm done with these two. I think you, you cut them, you cut them loose. And you, know, you got to think, there's there's got to be a team out there that would that would give them like a usable NHL player that would help them right now. Add like a, a fourth defenseman or a third line gritty winger that can help them win games and impact in different ways. Right? That would love to take a chance on a Lafreniere or Kako, or it's a win win situation for the Rangers as well. I'm going to get to Brinkett. Mm. That's, that's who I'm getting. Don't you think Ottawa wants to sign him, though? Nah, I don't think he's going to re-sign in Ottawa. I think he's made that (laughs) very well known that he has no interest in negotiating until after the season. He's going to be UFA. I think you offer him one of these guys. 
why not? Or is he an RFA? I don't know. He might be an RFA at season end, but gosh, he doesn't want to be in Ottawa. He's going to sign a bridge deal. Why not go out and get a high-end prospect who you can maybe sign to a long-term deal? Get Lafreniere. He struggled his first three years. Sign him to a seven-year deal for like $3 million per. Get a deal. That's what Ottawa does. They sign these guys to long-term deals, but... Yeah, he will. I don't know. He will be an RFA. He's only he's still only twenty four years old. It's hard to believe. Yeah, but he he's going to sign a bridge deal. He he will not want to stay in Ottawa based on how it's gone his first year. How many goals does he have this year, Tim? Six. Whoa! You think he gets? What did I say? He's not going to get twenty five or thirty. <laughs> yeah, I I think you said yeah twenty five, and I said forty. <laughs> yeah, there's. Do you want to reevaluate that? You think he gets forty again? So he's on pace for uh, 24 or 25. <laughs> or 22 um, or 23. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll stick with it. I think he's going to go on a tear. He's going to score 10 goals in a row. <laughs> 10 straight goals for the Ottawa Senators or 10 games 10 in a row? He's gonna 10 score. games. He'll score 10 <laughs> goals in 10 games. I, I will give him this. His shooting percentage is just insanely low compared to what is career averages a career average is 15 percent. he's clipping along at 7.9 so he will start to find the back of the net but he ain't getting 40 i'll tell you that much all right anything else tim no no it's been all a, right well a, a thank you one. everybody for listening i'll try to show up with a better mood next time i know i've been it's just the dog days of when it's dreary you know i just it's just there's a lot going on but yeah anyways Hope everybody's doing a lot better than I am. The bar's set low. Go out there, have some fun. I hope you have a good week. We'll talk to everybody on Wednesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.